Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The week four preview episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. Hey guys, did you get in on the action for tonight's Thursday night game? Philly and, and Green Bay, did you, did you bet against the Packers hoping that Philly would give them their first loss? If you did, congratulations, because that's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. And let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and I wouldn't be telling you about these guys if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that also likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL is the best time of year to do so. And you aren't just limited to the NFL, guys. My bookie also has college football, MLB, the playoffs are coming up, uh, MMA, and so much more. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR, C H A I R. Visit mybookie.ag today because at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And it was an exciting night uh, tonight. Uh, the, the Bears and the Vikings now, the stakes are even higher because they have a shot at first place. The, the, you know, they won't be a, they, they can be tied for first place because they both lost to Green Bay, so Green Bay will have the head-to-head edge. But it's an opportunity to inch closer to taking over the division. It, you know, It was a big division game to begin with. Now the stakes are a little higher thanks to Philly beating Green Bay tonight. Now Green Bay's 3-1, and one, and the winner of this game on Sunday will also be three and one. My guest today on the show, Chris Gates, our good friend from SB Nation's Daily Norseman to help us preview the game. Had a great conversation uh, with Chris. We we went down memory lane talking about some of the insanity that we've seen in this rivalry. We talked a lot about the home and home situation between the Bears and and, and the Vikings. And um, it's a fun series. It is a fun series because it's it's one of the only series in the NFL that I'm that I'm aware of where home field advantage seems to almost be like the most important factor. And that was the part of the conversation that we had because we talked about how sometimes some of the worst teams that the Bears put on the field were able to beat some of the Vikings best in Soldier Field and vice versa in the Metrodome or uh, TCF Bank Field or the U.S. Bank uh, Arena or uh, Stadium now. Uh, in Minneapolis so it's a weird uh, rivalry or you know weird circumstance that the home field advantage actually seems to apply uh, to these teams so had a great talk with Chris but before we get to that we got plenty to get to it's the week four preview episode of the Bearstalk Underground so let's get to it With the Thursday night game between Green Bay and Philadelphia, it's the beginning of week number four, which means the first quarter of the season is almost already behind us. You know, we, we complain all all off season long. You know, we we feel like that six months 
takes forever from February to August before we get to see preseason games and everything. And then once it finally gets here and after that month of August with all those boring, meaningless preseason games, we get to the meaningful ones in September and then they just start rattling them off before you know it. we're going to be in midseason. The playoff talk is going to start up soon. Uh, and then the season will be over already and we can go back to complaining for another six months about how much we miss football. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Uh, Chris Gates, our good friend from SB Nation's Daily Norseman, will be joining us here uh, in just a few moments to help preview uh, this matchup between our two historic uh, franchises. Had a really great talk with Chris uh, this time around. We really dove deep into the whole home and home thing with the Bears and the Vikings and, and the crazy games that have taken place. Uh, the rare times that Minnesota has won in Chicago, some of the Bears' biggest victories in the rivalry, uh, and things like that. It was a lot of fun. Probably the best conversation I feel like I've had with Chris uh, on the show. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy that. But uh, before we get to that, we got a couple of uh, news and notes. The Bears made a couple of roster moves this week. I forgot to mention that um, on Monday... They actually waived, maybe I mentioned it in the review episode, but they waived Bradley Soule to make room for Abdullah Anderson to be signed back onto the roster to, you know, I guess fill the hole left behind by Bilal Nichols and his broken hand. He did not play Monday night against the uh, Redskins. So it appeared, for the moment anyway, that the Bradley Soule experiment at tight end was over because we signed P.J. Foltz, uh, Holtz last week. Uh, just in case uh, uh, Burton wasn't going to be ready to go against the Broncos, which, of course, he was. And then, uh, but fast forward to, I think, uh, today or yesterday, one of the two, Wednesday or Thursday, and the Bears re-signed Bradley Soul and waived Kareth White Jr. So the extra running back on the roster is now over, and maybe we'll sign him to the practice squad or something like that the Bears did invest the draft pick in Kareth White he did initially make the roster so we'll see what happens because uh, I think it happened today so I, I haven't heard whether or not he cleared waivers yet probably because it did happen today on Thursday I'm pretty sure it was today Thursday so forgive me so we'll probably find out sometime tomorrow if the Bears will sign him to the practice squad to hang on to him and, and then see who's whose job on the practice squad he'd be taking because we're at the full. Well, actually, we have a spot open on the practice squad now because Abdullah Anderson was on the practice squad, signed to the 53-man roster to play on Monday, So, and we never filled that spot. So maybe that's what Kareth White is going to do. So the carousel uh, continues as uh, Abdullah comes to the practice squad. Bradley Soule was unemployed for a few days. Now he's back on the team, and now Kareth White, I would say, is the likely candidate to take that 10th practice squad slot so that's the little uh, musical chairs that the bears did with their roster in the last uh, couple of days and really the only other news going on uh with the bears right now is that there's been a lot of talk about the the jerseys the uniforms that the bears are wearing this week uh against the uh the vikings they are wearing the throwbacks the the 1936 uh stripy um outfit outfit uniform that they uh unveiled at the 100 year celebration back in june and it was uh you know i have mixed feelings about it guys you know this about this you know this about me the whole uniform snob 
thing and um you know it, it's i'm interested to see what it looks like on the field i'm interested to see what it looks like in mass instead of just one person on a stage like when kyle fuller came out wearing it on on at the celebration in june what it looks like when everybody's out there i think it'd be weird to see the bears wearing white at home that'll be strange um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the helmets will be too big a distraction. It's all going to be about the socks. Can I get past the socks? Can I sit and watch the socks run around the field for three hours? Cause that's definitely like in a, you know, in a nutshell, what I hate about the uniform. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. You know, I actually like the jersey. Can't go wrong with the with the straight up navy blue pants. The helmet is kind of meh. Kind of got that Michigan thing almost going on with the stripes uh, on the helmet. So um, you know, I can take it or leave it with the helmet. I'm not in love with it, but I don't hate it. Uh, love the jersey. Can't get mad at the pants. And then we get to the socks. And yeah, I've already talked about that extensively. I even dabble in the conversation with uh, with Chris as well. So. Um, but the, the the controversy behind the the uniforms being that back in 1936 is uh, during a time when basically there was a an unspoken ban on on black football players in the NFL. Like the owners were, you know, not allowing black players into the league, and this is an so it's like by wearing that jersey, we're kind of celebrating that era and things like that. The Bears have gone out of their way this week to kind of. Um, to, to, to like why they're bringing this this particular era this uniform to light because the uniform that we're wearing on Sunday was is a version of that uniform that we wore in 36 and only in 1936 like we had different uniforms in 37 and going forward and and, and things like that it was kind of more like uh kind of shedding a light on maybe a down period uh in the league and you know I, I guess by bringing this uniform out uh, using that as a way of, of, of uh, you know, showing that something like this won't happen again in the future, obviously. But, uh, but that, you know, things have changed and this is a step in the right direction. We're not, you know, maybe not necessarily celebrating the 1936 team, but, but more like, you know, wearing that uniform and, and, you know, our, the majority of our team is, you know, our black players, having them wear the uniform they weren't allowed to wear back in those days so, so i you know i guess that's more of the positive spin the bears are trying to put on it and um you know well, who knows we'll see i mean it, it it could have been something that was all controversy the bears did everything they could to get out in front of it so it didn't become a thing 
you know. So I, I think they did a great job with that. So it won't be a distraction, something that the players get bothered with uh, this week or, or, or anything uh, like that. So I'm interested to see these uniforms in action because uh, just sitting there, you know, looking at uh, Tariq Cohen and, and Kyle Fuller, you know, posing in a studio with the uniform on is one thing. But how will it look when it's on the field in uh, mass? So interested to see how that goes. Finally, um, we have our injury report. And uh, boy, were we spoiled last year, man. We were spoiled last year. Because remember last year, it's like, you know, when we had three guys on the on the injury report, it was like, oh, dear God, this guy is falling. Well, this week in practice, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys on the injury report for this week. Uh, let's start with Trey Burton nursing that groin injury. He has been full go on Wednesday and Thursday, step in the right direction. Um, Mike Davis has not practiced yet this week, listed as personal, so it's not an injury, but he hasn't practiced yet. Taylor Gabriel and Akeem Hicks, uh, Gabriel with his concussion, Hicks with his knee injury, neither has practiced yet this week. Uh, same thing goes for Bilal Nichols with his hand injury, Eddie Pinero with his uh, knee injury. So Nagy thinks that uh, that – you know, or he's hopeful, I guess, with Akeem Hicks. So I guess he's the one I think maybe is giving the Bears the most pause at the moment. Like as of today on Thursday in his uh, afternoon press conference, Nagy has, has basically, you know, listed um, Akeem as day-to-day, and he will be a game-time decision on Sunday. So fingers crossed, guys. Let's pray to the football gods that he can play in this one because we're going to need Akeem. And, you know, we're going to talk to Chris about that quite a bit. And, you know, the strength of the Vikings offense right now is their running game. And Akeem's one of the best run stoppers in football. So we're going to need him uh, on Sunday. Uh, And others, we got Eddie Jackson has been limited both games or both days this week with the shoulder injury. Uh, Bobby Massey, who missed the game on Monday with the the vertigo situation, has been full participation so far this week. So it sounds like he's going to be good to go uh, for Sunday. uh, Cordero Patterson uh, was limited on Wednesday with a tricep injury, was full go today. Same thing with Roy Robertson Harris. He had a glute injury, so apparently he had a sore booty. <laughs> was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. And I think that's it. But that's uh, 10, 11 guys. Oh, oh sorry, Kyle Long. was He's the weirdest one on the list, actually, because he was full participation on Wednesday. They have him listed with a hip injury. He was full go on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. So I don't know if it was that, if it was one of those veteran days off things because it wasn't listed as such. But to be full participation one day and then, you know, did not practice the next day stands out for sure uh, in this uh, on the injury report, especially since I'm looking at the one on the Chicago Bears app and it's showing like symbols for full participation limited did not practice that kind of thing and you know basically a full black dot means that you were full participation but an empty circle with an x through it means you didn't practice at all and that really kind of stands out when it comes to Kyle Long because it's you know like limited for Patterson and Robertson Harris but full go today full go for Burton those black dots stand out and that black dot stood out for Kyle Long but on Wednesday and then he's got the x on Thursday so don't know what's going on there I'm hoping that uh, it just means that he got a veteran day off they gave him a day of rest or 
or, or whatever. Not that he re-aggravated that hip injury and didn't practice today. But um, we'll keep an eye on it as we go along, especially since, um, you know, I don't think there's anything to worry about. There hasn't been any indication that Gabriel won't play on Sunday. The, the Bears haven't been trying out kickers to replace uh, Eddie Pinero. So I guess they're just letting him nurse the injury uh, for now, and he's going to kick through it kind of like he did uh, on Monday night. But he's also had almost a full week since the injury, so hopefully it's healing up uh, for him. They're just having him take it easy. The Bears are very precautionary uh, with their injuries more than anything. So maybe that's what it is for those two because the the headlines from Nagy's press conference today were about the uh, Akeem Hicks and his knee and where he's at with that and will he be ready to go and that's when the news came out that he's day-to-day he'll be a game-time decision so we're going to be biting our nails right up into you know the Fox NFL Sunday or whatever on to on Sunday for Jay Glazer or you know Ian Rappaport to tell us that uh, Akeem Hicks is in or out so hopefully it goes our way because we're going to need him uh, on Sunday so Anyway, that's going to do it for our news and notes. What do we? Uh, we'll go ahead and bring in our guest, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, to help us preview Week Number Four between the Bears and the Vikings. But first, remember, guys, double your first deposit at my bookie. You know, get that extra money to uh, to to build up your bank when you're betting on pro football, the NCAA, MMA, UFC, Bellator, Major League Baseball. Hell, even hockey is getting close to. Uh, I think they're doing preseason games right now. Like, I get little Yahoo alerts about how the Blackhawks uh, are doing. They got their asses kicked last night, like 6-2 to two or something like that. But uh, nonetheless, if you want to get in on the action with MyBookie, use promo code SHARE to double your first deposit at MyBookie.ag, where you play, you win, you get paid. And also, the Week 4 preview episode of the Bearsog Underground is brought to you by Blue Chew. Yay, we get to do Bluetooth ad again. Hooray. Let me pull up the copy. I wouldn't want to miss a single word of this. Oh, guys. Let's have a talk, guys. You're in the bedroom. You're with your lady. You're not feeling up to it. She is. It's one of those rare times where she does and you don't and everything. So what are you going to do? You're going to pop a Bluetooth. You're going to be ready to go because that's what Bluetooth does. You want to increase your performance and get that a little extra confidence? Then get you some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color, brings you the first chewable with the F- same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, so you know it works. Anytime you want to sit in separate bathtubs in a meadow on a hill looking out at nothing. Yeah, that's, yeah. Same ingredients as that stuff. So you can take them anytime day or night on a full or empty stomach and since they are chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill which is why you can just drop it when she's ready to go and if you could benefit from a little extra function and more confidence work counts blue chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance blue chew is prescribed online shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visit no waiting in the pharmacy and best of all no more awkwardness like being able to tell your lady, babe, I got a headache. And because we all know that's that's not true. It's just not. We don't have headaches. Not when it comes to that. So right now we've got a special offer. 
Special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And we get to find out next week if they're going to keep sponsoring us so i get to keep trying to figure out ways to enjoy myself talking about this it's always always a good time always a good time so speaking of good times chris gates from the daily norseman from sp nation is back to help us preview week four between the bears and the vikings a game that was uh you know i talked to him wednesday night so it was before we knew about uh you know the packers getting their first loss now this game is a little bit higher stakes it's a piece of first place for the winner. So without further ado, myself, Chris Gates, previewing week number four, Bears-Vikings. Our beloved Chicago Bears close out the first quarter of 2019, man. It, it, you can't wait for it to come, and then it just starts fleeting so fast. Week number four has our beloved hosting the Minnesota Vikings, the Bears returning home to the uh, to the home crowd, hopefully to improve upon the disgrace that was week one uh, against Green Bay. But our opponents for this big week four matchup, another NFC North rival in the Minnesota Vikings, who are also 2-1 and, and and playing decent football right now and here to help us preview this very big matchup early on in the season our good friend from SB Nation's Dalen Norseman Chris Gates Chris how we doing Larry my friend I'm doing all right how about yourself well you know I'm two and one you're two and one we got a big game coming up on Sunday and even though we historically win this matchup I'm a little iffy this time around so I'm not quite as quite as confident or optimistic as I was coming into the Sunday night game last year. So that's kind of what I'm living with right now. Well, that makes two of us because, uh, yeah, things are, things are a little different than I think we were expecting from the, uh, from the Vikings at this point. I think, uh, a lot of folks probably expected us to be two and one, but I'm not sure if they expected us to, uh, get there quite the way they got there, but, uh, two and one is two and one. So we'll, we'll take it. I think. I think it's a uh, like a six in one end, half a dozen in the other kind of thing. I think everyone expected the defense to to be the who they were. I'd say in twenty seventeen, one of the better units in football, and that seems to be happening right now. I was just going through the stats a few moments ago, and you're literally like only one step behind the Bears in most statistical categories. Like we have eleven sacks, you guys have ten. We have four interceptions, you have three. Uh, we're number three in scoring defense, you guys are five or something like that so the defense is playing really really well and uh but i don't think that we expected the the vikings to go old school and average 190 yards a game rushing especially when uh, the crux of the conversation you and i had over the summer was concerns about the offensive line yeah i mean the the offensive line has still had their issues uh pass blocking uh, mm. at points over the first three games but yeah mike zimmer said he wanted to run the football more and by god that's exactly what he's gotten over the last three games i like you said the uh, the vikings are currently averaging i believe it's 193 or 194 yards rushing a game 
And uh, through the first three games of last season, they had a grand total of 198 yards <laughs> on the ground. So they're averaging per game through the first three weeks this year uh, what they rushed for total in the first three weeks last year. And, you know, like I said, Mike Zimmer is an old school coach and wants to run the football, but I'm not sure if even he saw anything like this coming. Yeah, total uh, black and blue division, uh, you know, uh, mentality there. Run the football, play good defense, and you know that's how you're going to win football games. It's it's a very '80s way of playing football, but it's working for the Vikings so far. So far, yeah. I mean, you know, the the offensive line they they get after people in the run game. I mean, uh, Garrett Bradbury's struggles as a pass blocker have been pretty well documented, but as a run blocker, he's been solid. Uh, Brian O'Neill, Josh Klein has been a really pleasant surprise for us so far, even though he might not play on uh, Sunday, depending on how the uh, concussion protocol goes. But yeah, the uh, the run block, the run blocking after the disaster we saw last year has been a really pleasant surprise. And yeah, it, however this team wants to win football games, I think uh, Vikings fans are okay with it. Yeah, I mean, and Dalvin Cook coming out of the gates, the leading rusher in the league after. After three weeks, is just uh, he's been outstanding so far. I was at a uh, sports bar on Sunday with a buddy of mine watching the games, and I had my eye on Minnesota and Oakland, and it just seemed like every time I turned my head, there was Dalvin Cook for another chunk of yards. Yeah, and it's it's strange. I mean he he's gotten a lot of yardage so far, but he hasn't really gotten a ton of carries. I think he only had sixteen or seventeen carries in the game against Oakland, but he managed one hundred and ten yards and. You know, he had a he had a big run against the Packers, and you know, uh, we did a did a post uh, a couple days ago uh, because uh, Gil Brandt from the uh, NFL Network found this. Uh, I think he said Cook is the uh, fifth player in history uh, to have at least 110 yards rushing and a, f- a touchdown in his first three games uh, of the season, and the other four guys are all Hall of Famers. Which is uh, yeah. which is pretty nice company for him to uh, to be in at this point. But yeah, we we said all along everybody that I talked to this off season doing podcasts like yours or interviews yeah. with other places, I I told everyone that would listen that Dalvin Cook is a difference maker when he's healthy, and you know he's he's finally healthy again for the first time since the start of his rookie season, and he's he's a difference maker. That offense is just completely different when he's out on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the thing that that everybody knew uh, about Dalvin Cook, and you know, he's one of those players that when he's on the field, he's electric. He, like you said, he's a difference maker. You know, he's a great back, and uh, that's why the Vikings. Was he's a was he a first rounder or an early second round guy? No, he was a second rounder. Second round guy. That, yeah. uh, the Vikings didn't have a first rounder after the uh, the Bradford trade. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So he was your top pick. Maybe that's why I'm thinking. He was the first player that you took in that draft because you didn't have a yeah. first rounder. I, okay. I believe they, I believe they did trade up a few spots right. to to get him. I think they moved up from like the mid forties to the upper forties to to pull up to grab him in the second round. But yeah, that's I guess yeah, that's, he was the first player that year. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking he's a he was a top pick because he was of that particular class, even though he wasn't a first rounder. But everybody's had that opinion of him. He did get off to a really great start his rookie year before he had it was the a knee injury, I believe, his, his rookie season that, that took him out. And it was just like, if he gets out there, it's going to be great. And to see that finally happening has to be satisfying for Viking fans. It really is because, yeah, he had the ACL tear in week four of 2017. And last year, 
I don't think he was ever really fully healthy between trying to rehab the ACL and probably overcompensating and winding up with other leg injuries. Uh, yeah, he was only available for 15 games in his first two seasons, but yeah, he, he's out there this year. He's healthy. He's catching passes. He's like you said, he's leading the league in rushing. Uh, he was leading in rushing touchdowns until this past week when I think Mark Ingram passed him, but yeah, he's, the, the Vikings offense is just a completely different thing with him on the field and everything you have to defend with him. And how has that in any way been helpful to uh, Cousins, or has it been helpful to him? I, I think it has been to an extent. I mean, uh, one of Cousins' big strengths is his uh, ability in the play-action passing game, and obviously mm. uh, with Dalvin Cook out there and ripping off big chunks of yardage every time he touches the ball, it... Uh, you know, gives the defense something more to think about. Uh, in the games against Atlanta and Oakland, I mean, obviously not as much in the Atlanta game because he only threw 10 passes, but this past week against Oakland, uh, guys were falling for play action and guys were running open the entire game. Uh, the Green Bay game, and I, I actually expect this is what we're going to see more of in Chicago, uh, they'd run the play action and the Packers weren't biting on it. I mean, they Three or four times they tried to run the uh, the fake handoff uh, with the bootleg action uh, for Cousins, and every time he faked that handoff, the uh, the contained guy on the other side wasn't biting on it, and he did, Cousins would have a guy in his face just immediately. Mm. But uh, yeah, you you can get away with that stuff against teams like Oakland, and I don't think uh, you're going to see that quite as much against uh, Chicago because. They're just that much more talented and more disciplined defensively than some of these other teams the Vikings have played. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm interested in, in how that matchup is going to 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 shake out because once again this year uh, the Bears are stifling uh, against the run. Uh, the, you know they allowed 47 yards against Green Bay. I think the the Broncos weren't much better. Than that, I think um, you know Washington came away with like thirty or forty something yards uh, rushing on on Monday night, but we also got off to a big lead, so they had to throw a lot more in the second half. But uh, I'm interested to see if uh, you know strength against strength, which one's going to bend and or break on Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I don't know if the the Vikings are going to be able to run for 180 or 200 yards or whatever, but I mean they're damn sure going to try. I think because that, that's just the way the offense has gone so far. Everything has been predicated off the run game. And, you know, the, the couple of games the Vikings have won, they've gotten off to uh, 21 to nothing leads. And, you know, against Green Bay, they got down 21 to nothing and struggled a little bit. So, you know, they they need to get off to a fast start. And we're going to have to see if that happens. And, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup that's for that's for sure it always is with these two teams yeah so it's been a, a like a season of extremes so far for the for the for the vikings you know they're either getting off to a fast start or they've gotten far behind early yeah. on and and i think that's probably what cost you more than likely the game in in green bay was you basically had to abandon the game plan because you're down three touchdowns to aaron Rodgers and he was making it look easy against you guys in the start he really was. I mean, yeah, we got down uh, 21 to nothing straight away, and they, they didn't abandon the run game at first because the, the Vikings' first score came on a 75-yard Dalvin Cook touchdown run. Right. So they stayed committed to the uh, the game plan uh, a bit more than you'd think. But, yeah, I mean, the Vikings had their opportunities in that one, 
and yeah, they they just couldn't convert, and it was really kind of painful to watch there toward the end. Is that where it went sideways? Was that uh, you know? I mean, obviously, the twenty-one to nothing hole is is going to be you know an imposing deal for for any football team, let alone a good one uh, like the Vikings are playing at uh, so far. But you know, it, did it put the ball in Cousins' hands a little bit more than you would have hoped for, or? You know what were because I heard I was listening to another Bears podcast earlier today, and the Vikings guy that was on that show was saying that uh, you know basically because it was in Cousins' hands, he had an atrocious game, like one of his worst ever in a Vikings uniform against uh, Green Bay, and that's kind of what ultimately did you in. He did. I as bad as the Week Seventeen game against you guys last year was. I think the the Green Bay game. Uh, a couple weeks ago might have been worse is because he made some throws that I don't know where he was looking, what he was thinking about that last interception he threw when we were looking at first and goal from the eight yard line with an opportunity to go ahead is, was just inexcusable. And I mean, he acknowledged that after the fact, but I mean, after that, it's uh, it's a little too late to acknowledge that he screwed up that bad. But uh, you know, I, I think, Cousins is capable of winning games, but I don't think it's the sort of thing you want to lean on all the time. And, you know, I'd I'd be surprised if Cousins had another game that awful uh, as the Vikings quarterback. I mean, you can always hope he's not that awful again. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Vikings are married to this guy for this season and next season at least. So uh, all you can do is hope that he finally gets it figured out here at some point and doesn't make just idiotic throws like that anymore. Yeah, what about that 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 last one? You talked about the interception there. Was it was he trying to hit a receiver? Was he trying to throw it away? Cuz I was watching it live at the moment and and saw it happen and and actually I I I wasn't convinced that it was a catch or an interception, but you know, that was the ruling on the field and the camera angles just did you guys no favors as far as being able to reverse it or showing evidence of it um, touching the ground or, you know, him not having control uh, of the ball. But I'm trying to remember the play in my head, and I can't remember if he was trying to throw it away and didn't put enough on it or if he was trying to thread the needle and and got caught by the DB. I I think if you watch the play, because Cousins starts out, it's a regular pass, and he gets flushed out to his right. And I think there was a moment that Stefan Diggs was open, but with the way he had to escape the pressure, uh, he had to kind of take a little bit of a wider uh, rollout than he might have liked. And by the time that he got rid of the ball, uh, Diggs wasn't open anymore, but I think Cousins thought that he could get it to him anyway. Mm. But if he was going to try to get it to him, I mean, trying to throw it 30 yards off your back foot into the corner of the end zone uh, to a guy that's covered, that's probably, you know, that ball needs to go into the third row of the seats and you need to get back for second down and goal, particularly because, you know, Dalvin Cook was killing the Packers on that drive. I mean, they were ripping off runs of seven yards, 10 yards, and they got down the field almost exclusively because of the run. And, I mean, we can argue the fact whether they should have called a pass on first down in the first place, just trying to catch the... Packers off guard but you know in that situation there is no need to play hero ball and take chances there you just got to get rid of that thing and you know line it up again for second down I mean you're in four down territory anyway 
So you've got three plays to get the ball in the end zone. There's, there was no reason to force that on first down. And that might've been the most inexcusable element of the entire thing, regardless of the coverage is the fact that it was first and goal. And you yeah. try to throw that pass. I mean, you got three more shots at it. There was no need to force that pass in that situation. Yeah, that does add an element to it. I didn't realize that it was a first down, uh, a first down play, uh, you know, but I just knew that it was a killer of an interception. It was a key moment in the football game that ended up costing, uh, the Vikings, the the football game, and the the color commentator, I believe, it was Moose Johnson, was unforgiving as far as the the throw that he made. And as a Bears fan, it was very much a deja vu moment of the pick that uh, Mitch threw against uh, Adrian Amos of all people uh, in in Week One, where he thought he had Allen Robinson over the top, and and Amos knew the play was coming and played it perfect, and basically stayed out of Mitch's view just long enough for Mitch to make the throw, and then he ran underneath it. Uh, and picked it off but uh, you know it it was an equally unexcusable throw especially at that key element and that key point in the game yeah and I I don't think people would have been so angry about it if it would have been a third down or even a fourth down exactly yeah yeah. it it was it was first and goal from the eight yard line there's no reason to try to force that pass in there yeah it's that does like I said that does add an element to it if it's third down that's something else uh, you know but it's first down yeah, like you said, you know, throw it into the Lambo leap section of the of the stands, <laughs> and we'll go back and give it a shot again on on second down. See if we can't get them to bite on that play action for a change, or or you know, or, or you know, run a draw play and have Dalvin gash him for ten and get a touchdown, uh, yep. or or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was uh, I, I I like I said I'd forgotten. I remember the play. I just forgotten the situation uh, itself. And first down does add a little bit more of a frustration element to the to the whole situation. It, it certainly does. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, it was a bad throw anyway, but you know, like I said, if you're trying to thread the needle on third down or fourth down in four down territory, when you're, when you've got less than three minutes left on the clock, I can't remember the exact time situation. It was three or four minutes left, but yeah, throwing that pass on third or fourth down is a completely different thing than throwing it on first down. And I think if it would have been a third down or a fourth down pass, people wouldn't have been so up in arms about it. But, yeah, it was a first down pass, and they wasted a, a golden opportunity to steal a game that they probably didn't have any business winning. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just about uh, just about pulled it out anyway. Yeah, because it was a uh, – because there's a big difference, like when you're talking about that point in the football game and the down and distance situation. On first down, you don't have to make the throw. You don't have to make a throw because you still have, you know, you're in four. When you're down five, that's a four down territory situation no matter what. Because who's going to kick a field goal and then go for the onside? That's not going to happen. So you're going to have to, you're going to try to get into the end zone and put the onus on Rodgers to try to beat you guys. Which after that 24, 21 point explosion, they didn't score, uh, they didn't score another point after that. After they got off to that big start, it was 16 straight from the Vikings to close out the, uh, the game but you know like if you like you said if it's third down or it's fourth down then you have to you have to try you have to try and get it in there and he made a throw like it was third or fourth down and it wasn't and and that does uh definitely factor into what were you thinking throwing that pass and and as a bears fan i can definitely empathize sympathize i feel every inch of that because (laughs) we've been hearing that about mitch you know since the season 
started because obviously we didn't get to see him play in the preseason other than three handoffs in the very first game against Carolina uh, in the preseason. He handed the ball off three times to Mike Davis, and that was it for the preseason for him. But, you know, you and I talked about it during the summer. I've talked to anybody who would listen to me going into this season was that I couldn't wait for this year to start because it was going to be year two in the system. Uh, You know, you kept hearing things like uh, he's running the offense. He's not learning it uh, anymore. The defense is raving about what he's been doing in practice and training camp and all the rest of that stuff. And then it starts with the dud in Green Bay that was, you know, the cherry on top was the interception at the end of the game and our best offensive drive that got us closest to scoring points. He wasn't great until the last 90 seconds of the football game to get us in field goal range, and then he showed the flashes that give us optimism. And then while he was statistically fantastic against the Redskins, he kept making these little mistakes that were kind of glaring. He only had five or six incompletions in the whole game, but he had a really bad interception to Josh Norman that killed a drive that could have put points on the board that really put the game away. And some of his incompletions were were gross inaccuracies or, you know, putting the wrong kind of touch on the ball, putting too much on it when he didn't need as much and, and things like that. So the frustration still sits there with the quarterback, even though he's progressed in each of the three games so far this year. Yeah, and I I haven't watched a lot of uh, Bears football this year, unfortunately. I've had other stuff going on, but uh, yeah, just kind of reading the stuff on Trubisky. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what to make of the guy yet, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we saw you know the the season ender against us in 2018, and you know when the Bears need to put a drive together at the end of the game, there was. Mitch Trubisky completing yeah. passes, scrambling for first downs, doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, sharp holding, that on day. The, holding on to the football for nine minutes in the fourth quarter after mm-hmm. the Vikings had gotten within a score. And yeah, now I hear stuff like what you've described, where he, you know, he looked like garbage in week one. And, you know, until the 90 second remaining mark against the Broncos, he didn't look good again. And yeah, I mean, it's difficult with these young quarterbacks that, you know, you just don't know what to make of him because, you know, like you said, this is his second year in the Matt Nagy system after, you know, a year with whatever John Fox was doing when he was a rookie and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, you would think this is the point where guys would start turning the corner and it doesn't, it doesn't sound like he's getting through the corner yet. Yeah. I don't think anyone expected him to be Mahomes or anything like that in year two of the system. Uh, or anything I just don't think that anyone really expected for him to look the same as he did at the beginning of last season like we were starting over again and uh, and things like that I think that's where the growing frustration comes from now in Mitch's defense his offensive line hasn't been nearly as good as it was a year ago and you know he was under fire a lot against Green Bay Uh, we, we we still we struggle mightily running the football even though David Montgomery is a, is a savage of a running back, and he will fight for every single inch that he gets. But a, a friend of mine that I've had on the show, his name is Brett Coleman. He does videos uh, on YouTube. And, oh, yeah. We're yeah. familiar with Brett. Yeah, I've had Brett on the show a few times, and um, the, the one that he famously did at the end of the summer was a like a, a year-long analysis of Mitch Trubisky, and he said exactly what you said. I he sat down and watched all 17 games or all 15 games that Mitch played 
last year, and I still have no idea what to make of this guy. Like, no, basically, it's he he has his moments. It's like, what the hell was he thinking? And then he has those other moments where, like, that's elite quarterback stuff right there. And yeah. it's just the inconsistency of one or the other that drives analysts crazy and especially Bear fans because we don't know if we're going to get Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. No, and, I, and we had kind of the same thing. Uh, Brett did a video uh, where he looked at, you know, Kirk Cousins yes. has the reputation yes. of not playing well against good teams. They went one and six against teams with winning records last year. So he went back and looked at all seven of those games the Vikings played against winning teams and determined that uh, at most uh, you could lay one of those seven games at the feet of Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And the other six games, he had a lot of help losing those football games, yeah. whether it was bad play calling or defensive lapses or whatever. But, you know, as unfair as it is, probably for, for him to have gotten that reputation. Uh, that reputation is going to stick until yeah. he reaches a point where, you know, the chips are down and he does finally come up big. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen uh, while he's in Minnesota. I mean, he's got a he's got a year and almost two full years left to try to break up the narrative here a little bit. But, yeah, we, we've seen kind of the same thing. And like uh, like we said, well, Cousins has a new offensive coordinator this year but it's a system that he's familiar with from earlier in his career so yeah i don't know if he's going to be able to make those adjustments and you know get better as the season goes on but it, it's not like trubisky because you know trubisky's in his third year in the league i think cousins is on year seven and you know these are not the sorts of things that a seventh year quarterback should be doing right sometimes but you know if if you were to rank the nfl starting quarterbacks i'd probably still put cousins somewhere in the top half of the league i just i don't know if that says more about the the state of nfl quarterbacking or if i believe too much in if i believe in kirk cousins too much or what the thing is but you know i i think he's a better than average quarterback that has just you know not gotten the job done at the biggest moments and like i said until he does something that goes against that that reputation is going to stay with him well, winning a game in Chicago would go a long way in 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 solving that problem, or or you know, kind of uh, putting a dent in the narrative. Anyway, because number sure. one, the Bears are a winning football team. They are one of the. I mean, as our defense alone makes us one of the best teams uh, in the league right now. The offense just needs to figure out how they can catch up. But you know, winning in Chicago, which I just read a stat that says since the start of the millennium. The Vikings are, or the Bears are fifteen and three in Chicago against the Vikings. So, yep, history's not on your side. No, uh, there, and and we we can name all three games the Vikings won too because they were all memorable games. Because there was the oh seven Peterson game. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was the Hester Peterson game in two thousand seven. Yeah, I believe it was, and then there was the. uh, the Teddy Bridgewater to Stephon Diggs uh, go-ahead touchdown game in 2015, and then there was Mitch Trubisky's debut as a starter in 2017. And other right. than that, we we generally get our rear ends handed to us when we go to Soldier Field. Either that or something just super weird happens, like uh, I don't know, Chad Hutchinson comes out of the uh, the mothballs and <laughs> leads the Bears to a victory over the Vikings. Which or I, or it was, Devin it was that, or it Devin was during uh, that time when the yeah, it was during that time when the Bears would start like a different quarterback every year, and it yeah. didn't matter how 
terrible they looked leading up to the Vikings game. They would just go off on the Vikings for like 300 yards and three scores, and there was just nothing anybody could do about it, and it was just awful. Yeah, I mean, well, how about the the late uh, 2009, like the Week 16 Monday night game where Devin Aromashadu goes for like 170 and three touchdowns against the Vikings, and it cost them home field advantage in the playoffs, losing that football game. It's like that game was huge for Minnesota. The Bears somehow managed to take it to overtime, and opening drive, Aromashadu like 40, 50 yards down the sideline, wide open. By the way, wide and he's yeah. been smoking you guys all night, but he's one on one down the sideline, wide open ball game. Home field goes to New Orleans, and that ended up playing a huge, huge factor in the NFC playoffs that year. Yeah, and I can't remember what year it was, but uh, yeah, there was a game where Ferrat was starting a quarterback for Minnesota, and I can't remember who was starting a quarterback for you guys, but both teams put up forty points. It was like forty eight to forty one, or just something insane i'm trying to remember what year that was i think you know what i think you're talking about the i think it's 2008 it must have been because that what that would have been the year farad started about uh three-fourths of our games because of the uh tavares jackson injuries yeah yeah it was like 48 to 41 yeah i remember that stop the other team it was it was crazy yeah it was like a uh, it was like watching a video game like whoever has the ball last is probably going to win because the defenses never got off the bus today no, it, it was awesome to watch, but yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It's not something you see on these two teams. No, definitely not. A 90-point explosion between these two teams? <laughs> like, no. No, yeah. you don't see that very often. But, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of memorable games between these two teams. You have rookie Peanut Tillman stealing the interception out of Randy Moss's hands in 2003. And, there, you know, a lot of games like that uh, in this series. And then you go to Minnesota – and just like how the, the you know Minnesota can't seem to find an answer for the Bears in Chicago, we always seem to get our asses handed to us when we go to Minnesota. So there's just something about this this home and home series. I think it's really like the the one true home field advantage series in the division. It really is because I mean the Vikings have even had a little bit of success at Lambeau uh, over the past few years. Yeah. I mean I'm not sure what their record is. I mean I think they have a. I think they're close to 500 or over 500 against the Packers in the the Mike Zimmer era. But, yeah, there is no series in this division, I don't think, where home field advantage means more than than Vikings-Bears. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because sometimes the Bears win in – win in Detroit and the Lions win in Chicago and vice versa, you know, and things like that. But it – it teeters back and forth. I mean, it's it's either, uh, you know, like with the Bears and the Packers, it's – the Packers are just dominating the series right now, but you know it, the home and home thing doesn't matter in that in that one. It's less of a factor with Bears Lions, but with Bears Vikings, it historically it definitely matters where the game is taking place. And, and I'm not sure if when the game takes place is a function really of that either, because mm. yeah, those late November and December games in Chicago were a completely different thing than a you know September or even early October game at Soldier Field too. Right. I mean, it doesn't change in Minnesota too much because with the exception of the couple years at TCF Bank, everything was indoors. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that plays a role in it too. I'd have to do a more extensive breakdown of yeah. that. But, yeah, the the home field advantage in Bears-Vikings is huge most years. Yeah, and, and then I heard another crazy stat, or maybe I read it online, that 
The Bears are wearing throwbacks on Sunday. We're wearing the old school, like, 1936 uniforms. I saw those. Yeah, which I have very mixed feelings about. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the helmets. I'm, I'm okay with the stripes. The jersey I actually like a lot. We're going to be wearing white at home, which is going to be different. But and the pants are fine. You can't go wrong with the solid navy. But then we're from the knee down with those socks, the pippy long stocking horizontal, <laughs> you know, horizontal stripes that is like that just does not work for me at all. Like those socks are atrocious, but, you know, it all goes sideways for me from there. And I'm a uniform snob. So this stuff really matters to me. I am really wondering how that's going to look on TV with 11 of those uniforms on the field at once. So but the stat was that the Vikings are 0-5 against the Bears in Chicago when they're wearing alternate jerseys. Well, that just means they're due, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, I did see the Bears uniforms. I mean, they're they're significantly better than those god-awful Steeler bumblebee throwbacks oh, that you throw every once in a while. Yeah. Though. Those things are atrocious, but I, I can't even remember the last time the Vikings did the throwback jersey thing, but I, I would love it if they showed up on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau in the old school uh, purple with the uh, the white pants and, you know, just because the Vikings uniforms up until the last couple of years really hadn't changed a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would love to see them uh, come out with throwbacks of their own. I mean, obviously they can't go back to the thirties like the, the bears have done, but mm-hmm. you know, just something from the, uh, the the uh, the Bud Grant era would be nice if the Bears are going to do this. Yeah, they pretty much held on to those to the very simple, you know, purple solid white numbers uh, uniforms for well, like well into the two thousands, didn't they? Yeah, until uh, I can't remember. Like, can't remember what year 06 they started. Six or oh seven or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, they started messing around with the uniforms in like oh six or oh seven when they went to like the yellow on the yeah. collar and whatnot. That uh, nobody liked those, and then they went to. Uh, the ones they have now with the the kind of funky numbers, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think they're obviously. I don't think anything is going to be as good as the uh, the old school throwback uh, Vikings uniforms. But I mean, it was a significant upgrade from where they had been previously. So yeah, I think the craziest tweak that Minnesota made to their uniform was they added the gold trim to the white numbers on the home jersey and that was like the big uniform change for like the long like because i was a big fan <laughs> of the vikings in the in the 90s when warren moon was there warren moon was my favorite player in the league yeah. after walter payton retired so i followed the vikings i loved the jake reed days uh you know and and chris carter with moon and robert smith the running back i love those teams man and that was the uniform that they had as, as crazy. The craziest thing about them was they had that gold trim around the white numbers. Otherwise, it was a by the numbers Minnesota Vikings uniform. And they held on to that for a while. And then when we got into the, the new millennium, all of a sudden, you know, the, the numbers got smaller. We're, 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 you know, we're putting a little funky thing on, on the numbers now. And, and uh, we're, we're adding a little more gold to the uniform than there was before. We've got a stripe down the side now of, of the jersey and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, I blame the Lions because I think they were the first ones to start messing around with the uniforms, and then the Vikings followed suit. And, you know, it's, it's the Bears and the Packers that have held on to the same uniform since the dawn of time. Uh, it, it's always the uh, the best, you know, course of action to blame Detroit for anything, right. I think. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, football uniforms, cars, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, yeah. just, just blame Detroit. Just they're blame they're there. That's what they're there for. Michigan's a battleground state in the election, so we have them to thank for how it goes sideways sometimes. So yeah, yeah. they do. 
but yeah, <laughs> they've uh, they've they've kept Jim Harbaugh out of the National Football League, which I guess is a a positive thing. But sure. I don't know. Yeah. Your mileage may vary on the uh, the Harbaugh thing, I guess, is you know since you I got you, mixed feelings. He was your quarterback for yeah, a while. Yeah. About I got mixed feelings about Harbaugh. You know, he was uh, he was good for us, and uh, you know, but it went bad there towards the end, and and everything, and it just you know he went on to do things in, in his career after he left Chicago, which was nice to see. But uh, yeah, there you know. there was there was that player that. Uh, Part that thing that uh, every Viking fans remember remembers that I thought uh, Mike Ditka was actually going to murder Jim Harbaugh yes. uh, on the sideline at the uh, the Metrodome after he 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 called an audible or something and yep. threw it right to the Viking and you know they blew a twenty point lead and wind up losing the game and yeah I, I didn't think Harbaugh was going to get out of that game in one piece out of the uh, out of the Metrodome because Ditka was not pleased. No, he was definitely not. He was. Uh... <laughs> He was fuming would be the probably the best word to describe uh, Ditka's mental state uh, in that <laughs> moment. He was not happy with yeah. Harbaugh. It's like the play that Ditka called or, who you know, whoever our OC was at the time called would have worked. Like, the, you know, we run the play that we called in that situation. We would have been fine. But instead, you try to get cute. The next thing you know, it's going back the other way for a touchdown. And this game is slipping away from us now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he definitely he definitely was lucky to get away with his life uh, <laughs> that night because Dicka was not pleased. So, yeah, great memory. Thanks for that, by the way. Um, but you know, so we got long, this. As long as, we're, as long as we're dredging up old pages. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Or, yeah. You know, I you know what? It's my fault. I brought up Devin Aromashadu. I'm sorry. So I deserve that. I did bring him up. So that's my that, fault. That's okay. We're even. It's, All right, it's cool. cool. But that '07 game with okay. with. With uh, Peterson and Hester in 07, that game was a blast to watch. It really was. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, you know, Peterson with the 200 yards and three yeah. touchdowns. And, you know, it looked like the Vikings had it put away. And then all of a sudden, no, here, here's Devin Hester riding, running wide open. And, oh, we're going to put Adrian Peterson back on kickoff. Oh, my God. Yeah, see how that works. And, yeah, now Longwell is going to hit a field goal from like fifty-five yards or yeah. something just ridiculous. That yeah, don't kick it to him. Don't <laughs> kick it to Peterson. The guy has been unstoppable today, and he was like literally a kicker fingernail tackle away from running it back for a he touchdown. Was. I was like, why did we kick it to him? <laughs> why? Why did we do that? And sure enough, you know, he got just enough that he needed for Longwell to hit a fifty-five yarder. To close and, out the game is like, of course it ends that way. Of course, it and does. it was worse because the the three plays the Vikings ran on offense after that they lost like five or six yards, <laughs> and it was just I I'm like, what the hell are you even doing? Just yeah, pick the damn ball. But, yeah, yeah, that was a crazy crazy day, man. Because I think you guys were up like twenty eight to seventeen or something like that. We had to we had to pull off a miracle just to get close and put ourselves in that situation. And the second yep. that we do, we gave it right back. So. That yep. was the tail of the tail of the tape in 2007. It was like we're the defending NFC champions. We didn't play like it at all that year. <laughs> Everything we did right in 06, we we went out of our way to do it wrong in 2007. So uh, yeah, that was a that was a tough year, but that was a great game. I enjoyed that one. It and was not so much as a Bears fan, but as a football fan, I loved it. I absolutely could go back and watch that all over again. So uh, yeah, Peterson was amazing in that game. And it was his rookie year, so it's like, yeah, we got about 10 years of this. That's not going to be yep. fun. 
That's not going to be great. <laughs> so it's like because when he got drafted, I remember I was watching the draft with a buddy of mine and we were sitting there watching and and it's like the Vikings take Peterson. And I was like, well, that's Barry Sanders 2.0 right there. That's a guy that's just going to kick our ass for the next 10 years. And you know? it was it was so strange because, you know, everyone, you know, I think Peterson was being mocked to the Vikings a lot that year in the mock drafts leading up to it. And then you had this section of people that were like, well, they have Chester Taylor at running back. They don't need to draft Adrian Peterson. They're like, yeah, Chester Taylor's nice, but yeah, uh, yeah he, he's not he's not this guy. That's for sure. But I mean, yeah, they. I mean, there were there were people that wanted us to take Brady Quinn instead of Adrian Peterson. I can't imagine how poorly that would have gone. Yeah, but yeah, that that would have been awful because Brady Quinn was not good. Nope. But uh, yeah. We, uh, they made the right choice. Yes, they did. They did. It would it would be, you know, like you couldn't believe that somebody would that they would pass on him if he was still there at seven. That they, they mm. would pass on him, and they were smart enough to take him. And history tells the rest of the story on that one. But uh, so anyway, we got a game on Sunday. We've been talking about all this history uh, <laughs> and everything. Well, I mean, the reason we talked about it is that is it is a factor to consider in this game. Will the Vikings be able to overcome? what seems to be cursing them and win this game on Sunday. It's, it's only week four, but it's an, it's an NFC North matchup. Both teams are owing one in the division because we're on, we both lost to green Bay uh, so far. So you don't want to get into an Owen two hole in the division. It's a, you know, obviously it's also a conference game. So that's, that's important as well. It's a rivalry matchup, the whole nine yards. So even though it's only week four, there are big stakes with this football game. Yeah, and I mean, I think it would probably be slightly worse for the Bears if they were to lose because, oh, you know, sure. if you're you're 0-2 in the division, but you're 0-2 at, at home, home yes, in absolutely. the division, whereas, whereas if the Vikings lose, they're 0-2 in the division, but yeah, they're 0-2 on the road because they would have lost at Lambeau and at Soldier Field. Right. I mean, but still, either way, you don't want to get into a 0-2 hole in the division, and yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, both these defenses are playing lights out right now. Uh, Khalil Mack is obviously just insanely, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think I could list three defensive players in the NFL that are better than Khalil Mack <laughs> at this point. Uh, if, if I can, I, I'm yeah, not sure. It, it pretty much begins and ends in Aaron Donald. And then he's, yeah, you know, Aaron Mack Donald is, and, yeah. Yeah. Mack is either slightly above Donald or just below him, but that's one in one a, as far as much. individual defensive players. And then the rest of the list. You can argue about who's number two or number three after those guys. They, those those are the two best defensive players in the league right now. They they definitely are. I mean, but on the Vikings side, I mean, both Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin, who we yeah. are so happy to see back to uh, back to his old self after all the the crap he went through last year with the uh, with the issues he had. And yeah, he's been back. He's been terrorizing people again. And yeah, it. And like you said, the uh, the Bears' offensive line has not been performing to the level uh, that it was last season. So uh, we're going to have to see if uh, if Hunter and Griffin can t- take advantage of that because if they can and they can get uh, Mitch Trubisky off his game a little bit, uh, I, this one might be there for the taking for the Vikings. I don't think it's going to be a, a shootout or anything, no. obviously. But, yeah, the, I, I think uh, it wouldn't be surprising for either team uh, to win this one, you know, despite the Vikings' history at Soldier Field, right? I mean, well, like you know, well, like we were saying before, the the defenses on on both ends make this a winnable game 
for both sides. I mean, the Bears are the home favorite, but they're only two point favorites. The over under is thirty eight, which I think is generous. Yeah, um, I'm definitely taking for... I'm taking the under on that for sure. If I'm a betting man, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think we're getting the thirty eight points. Yeah, we're not going to see forty eight to forty one like we did in two thousand eight. That's not going to happen here. Uh, I would be floored if that happened. <laughs> if these two defenses both gave up a forty burger in this game, that would be insane. It would um, be. So uh, yeah, I I think it's uh, it's definitely going to be a low scoring uh, knockdown drag out affair. We could get a, an, an old school black and blue. Uh, division uh, matchup here and um, I'm hoping that our offensive line is up to the task because week one they were terrible in pass protection against Green Bay week two they shut out Bradley Chubb and Von Miller like I think we only had like four pressures the entire football game so Mitch went basically untouched throughout the entire game but last week at the start of the game anyway he was under pressure by you know Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat for the uh, for for the Redskins, so they need to pick a lane, you know. With this, are, are they going to be? I would st- I would settle for average because they've either been really good, like they were against Denver, or horrible, like they were at the start of the game with Washington or throughout the game uh, against Green Bay. That's going to be the tale of the tape uh, in this game. Is is if our pass rush can handle, uh, you know, Everson Griffin and 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 Daniel Hunter, then we have a shot. But if we if we get pushed around like we have in, in, in two of the three games this year, it could get ugly fast uh, for the Bears. And the big thing yeah, for the Vikings is, I mean, if those two guys are getting there off the edges, what's killed us with Trubisky against uh, against the Vikings the last couple of years is when he gets away and starts, you know, getting chunks of yardage with his legs down the field. I mean, they they need to get pressure on him, but they also need to keep him contained. Uh, so that that doesn't happen and you know you get third and long or yeah third and eight and Trubisky runs for 11 yards and you know those are just killers and yeah you can't uh, they can't let that kind of thing happen in this one if they want to have a shot so if we want to and we when I say we I mean the Bears so if we want to come away with uh, with a win would you agree with the I called it the 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 Rams because I said this is what the Bears should do uh, last year, which was you know take the ball out of Todd Gurley's hands and put it in Jeriff Goff's hands. We want to take the ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands and put it in Kirk Cousins. Would that would that be you know a good way to come away with a win against this team? I think that's certainly accurate because you know if Cook doesn't get going, then the the play action game isn't as effective, and mm. you know those rushers from the uh, from the Bears can kind of pin their ears back and start uh, coming after Cousins with all the. Uh, Chuck Pagano, the fanciness and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, if Dalvin Cook gets going and, you know, puts together the kind of performance he has uh, over the first few weeks, uh, this is definitely winnable for Minnesota. But, yeah, this uh, I would agree with your sentiment. If, uh, you know, you can put the game in Cousins' hands, uh, that's kind of what they need to do, I think. Yeah, and, and talk to me about your kicking situation. Because it's almost, I mean, it hasn't quite had as much weight as the Bears just because it's what ended our season. It's something that we've been dealing with throughout the entire offseason. But both teams were in on the Kari Vedvik sweet stakes, and you guys won. And that worked out like a fart in a spacesuit. Uh, you know, it just, it didn't, which is to say, it didn't. It did not go well at all. He's not even on the team. And did he make it out of preseason with you guys? 
No, they, no. they cut the part of the final cut. So yeah, we won. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah, n- nothing like just uh, nothing like just tossing a fifth round pick onto the uh, the fire to uh, to get a guy that you cut after I believe it was seventeen days he spent with the team, but. You know, he, he came out, he wasn't as good a kicker as Dan Bailey, and he wasn't as good a punter at Matt Weil, who we had at, who we had at the time. Uh, we've sent re- since replaced him with one of the uh, the flying Colquitt brothers. Okay. From, uh, but, yeah, uh, apparently, you know, bringing in the kicker uh, helped kind of wake Dan Bailey up a little bit because he's actually been pretty solid, uh, you know, in the limited opportunities he's had. I mean, Against uh, Atlanta, he didn't get any field goal opportunities, and uh, you know he, he buried a couple against the Raiders, and he's been uh, he's missed one extra point so far, but that was a weird circumstance because there was a uh, penalty involved, so the extra point attempt was actually, I believe, forty eight yards, and it wound up getting partially blocked. But yeah, you know, he's uh, he's eight out of nine on his extra point attempts, and I believe uh, two out of three on field goals this year, and. You know, if you look at the stats, he is one of the most accurate kickers in the history of the league. But, I mean, putting on this Vikings uniform just does stuff to kickers, I guess. I'm not sure why that is necessarily. But, you know, he, he kind of got woken up with the, the Vedvik deal, and he's been solid. And, you know, Colquitt has done a decent job. And, you know, he's uh, he's got experience holding, which is something that uh, I don't believe Weil had a lot of prior to last season. But, you know, Colquitt's been doing it for years, and you know he's uh, he's kind of the steady presence this team needed. So, yeah i I think uh, I think we're kind of getting to the point where we're getting our confidence back in Dan Bailey. But uh, yeah, we'll just uh, kickers are so up and down. We'll just have to see how it goes the rest of the way. Yeah, and the reason that that's important is because with these defenses, kickers are going to be a factor in this game. Uh, you know, cause I, I, I envision a, you know, like a 16 to 13, uh, kind of game or, or, you know, something in that, in that area that, uh, you know, where, where it's going to come down to, to field goals because these teams are just not going to be able to drive the football, uh, or on each other, or at least the first three games of the season say that's going to be extremely difficult. So, um, points are going to be at a premium and kickers are going to need to perform, Eddie Pinero has been great for us so far, and I was wondering how Dan Bailey or actually I forgot it was Dan Bailey. I was, but I was wondering how your kicking situation was working out for you because we were the ones that were stealing all the headlines as far as the kicking was concerned. But I think there was a a bit more drama going on in Minnesota. There was, but uh, Pinero's hurt now, isn't he? Didn't he has he a pinch okay. nerve that he kicked through on Monday night. You could see how it was bothering uh, bothering him. He missed his first kick of the year on uh, on on Monday it was a 44 yarder he just pushed it just a little bit uh to the right but he came back later in the game and nailed the 38 uh yarder and of course he nailed the 53 yarder to win us the game in 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 Denver that crazy yeah. Yeah. uh finish and everything he scored the only points of the game for us in <laughs> Green Bay so uh you know but he's he's been kicking very well for us so um he didn't practice today i saw he was uh on the injured list as did not participate and uh you know they said it was a pinched nerve he injured himself during a workout over the over the weekend so we'll see how long it it hampers him and um although i mean he he played hurt on monday and he did great so hopefully he can he can pull that off especially with a even though it's a short week even though you know with the rest will do him some good and he'll be fine on sunday i haven't heard anything about the bears uh trying out kickers 
or anything just in case. So, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that could end up being a if if he can't go. I mean, that obviously affects the chemistry <laughs> there too, and that could uh, that could play a role as well. So, I mean, obviously, you don't want a guy to be hurt or miss games or whatever, even as a opposing fan or whatever. So, I hope right. he's all right. But yeah, that that's definitely something you know if the Bears have to bring in a kicker on Friday or Saturday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that could be huge at the end yeah yeah so so yeah i mean i'm 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 always excited about bears vikings it's it's always been a fun uh rivalry because um unlike bears packers which has been very packer heavy uh this has been one of the like i i love the the rivalry the bears have with the lions because that's a true rivalry where it, it goes back and forth there's competition in those games with the bears and the vikings there's the home rivalry at the at the home game bear fans are optimistic on the road not so much and vice versa uh for the vikings it's one of those rivalries where home field means in in some cases means more than anything else you know i I hate to bring up devin aroma should do again but there's no reason that that roster should have beaten the one that it did on monday night the brett Favre, you know having that crazy year in 09 with peterson and, and all those guys it was just a, a far superior roster and we beat you guys that night for no other reason than the fact that we the game took place in soldier field i'm convinced that was the only reason that it went down that way so the home field advantage matters a lot in this uh in this rivalry and i'm interested to see what will happen on on sunday because our teams are pretty even right now yeah they are i mean both the both these teams are playing a pretty great defense and you know the offenses have had their issues at times and yeah, it might be one of those games, like you said earlier, where whoever has the ball last uh, winds up winning this football game. And yeah, the you said the over under was thirty eight. Mm-hmm. I said I don't think we're getting to thirty eight points between these two teams, but I mean, stranger things have happened, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be as fun and exciting to watch as it always is when these two teams get together. Yeah, unless we get some uh, some unexpected defensive touchdowns sprinkled in there, I don't think we're going to get close to thirty eight. Uh, on on Sunday, so I, I I wouldn't anticipate that at all. But uh, but Chris, man, always great to have you on the show. It was fun taking that little trip down memory lane with <laughs> our teams and the and you know some of our history and those some of the matchups uh, that we've been through. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get to talk to you for like another thirteen weeks. Uh, but what do you say we 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 get together around Christmas time to talk about Week Seventeen, see where we stand around that time. Yeah, just like clockwork, uh, week seventeen, and we'll be uh, we'll be doing this again, just like we've done uh, however many years in a row it's been now. So it's, it's four yeah. years, five out of the last six is is what it's is what it's mounted to so far. Yeah, so uh, yeah, like just, there's very few things in this world you can count on, but that uh, that certainly seems to be one of them yeah. at this point because uh, the NFL has decided that this is just the way things are going to be every week seventeen. We're going to send yeah. uh, Chicago to Minnesota. And, yeah, that's just how things are going to end. So, yeah, yeah death, well, uh, already looking forward to it. Yeah, death, taxes, and Bears-Vikings Week 17. Those are the things yep. you can count on in life. So, Chris, thanks so much uh, for coming back on, man. I look forward to talking to you again. Not a problem, Larry. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. As always, want to thank Chris Gates for coming on to the show. You can catch him at the Daily Norseman, uh, dailynorseman.com on SB Nation. You can find him on Twitter 
uh, as well. And, um, you know, great guy. Love having him on the show. Like I said, probably my, my favorite talk that I've had with him uh, on the show, talking about that rivalry and the, the, the Devin Aroma should do thing and, you know, how it was basically a meaningless game for the Bears. They had no business beating that team in 2009, you know, the super team with, with uh, you know, Favre having that last great year uh, in 2009, an MVP caliber season, leading the Vikings, you know, to an easy division title, sweeping the Packers and stuff like that, being able to, you know, kind of pay them back for for shipping them out of town. And, um, you know, home field advantage for the playoffs was on the line in this game against the Bears. And Aroma Shadu comes out and catches like nine balls for a buck 80 or something like that, including the game winning touchdown. He just killed him that night, man. It was crazy. It was a crazy game. Like everyone's going into this thing, we don't have a snowball's chance in hell of beating this team. And not only did we beat them, we we put thirty six on them and beat them in overtime. Amazing, amazing night. I mean, it was just it was crazy. It was it was like watching David beat up Goliath. It was, I mean, that's that's what that matchup was. You know, I think the Vikings were eleven and three or something like that at the time, and and uh, or you know whatever it was, and we were on our way to. Oh, we were seven and nine, and I think that was our. I think we lost the week after to finish out the year, uh, seven and nine or, or whatever it was. So I mean, it was uh, it was a down year for us for sure. It was a year the Bears struggled mightily, especially on defense because Erlacher went down with that wrist injury week one against Green Bay in two thousand nine. So we we're playing without him. Our linebacking core was beat up. We couldn't play defense. We we're giving up forty points a game like three weeks in a row and stuff like that. And then to come out and be able to outscore the Vikings, who had a very potent offense that year. It had year three of Adrian Peterson. Like I said, Brett Favre, his last great season. We shouldn't have beat that team, and we, we beat them. We, we did. And that's just you know like a microcosm of, of what the rivalry uh, is, is like. There have been several times where the Bears had the better team going into Minnesota, couldn't figure out how to win because it's the Metrodome or it's, you know, or it's U.S. Bank Stadium or – or, or what have you, and it's just like Bears just have bad luck in the Metrodome. Um, the one game we didn't talk about was when the Bears won in 06 in the Metrodome. That was a crazy game. It was week three. It was our Super Bowl run season, and after dominating the first two games uh, of the year, we come into the Metrodome, and it's a dogfight between the Bears and the Vikings, and the hero of the game, the unlikely hero, of that football game was Rasheed Davis catching the winning touchdown pass. The Bears had to drive to to score a touchdown to win uh, to win the game and and come away with a th- you know with a three and zero record. One of the rare times the Bears won and they beat them in Minnesota on a last minute drive. It was pretty great. So a uh, lot of fun talking to Chris about that stuff. Looking forward to this game, man. I mean, it's it's um, I, I'm I'm wavering a bit because the Vikings are tough. Um, you know, we, we Akeem, in, Akeem Hicks may not play on Sunday, and that's going to put a big hole in our defense. And we, we have a great defense, thank God. So we will miss Akeem Hicks, but it's not catastrophic to lose him. Uh, you hate to say something like that, but it's true. We still have Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd and, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Goldman still plugging up the middle. We got Roquan and, and Danny Trevathan uh, behind him. Behind them, we got... You know, two all two top flight safeties in Haha Clinton Dixon and Eddie Jackson to kind of fill up the box with and things like that. So we will definitely miss Akeem Hicks. We will definitely miss him if he doesn't play. But it won't be the end of the world for us if we do. That's the beauty of the roster that 
Ryan Pace has put together for us. So, um, you know, we definitely want to keep out there, but I think we'll be okay. Not great, maybe not as dominant as we were on Monday, but I think we'll be okay. But, um, you know, we don't want to find out that we're not going to be. So I would prefer that Akeem Hicks is out there at 80% (laughs) rather than 100% missing him uh, on Sunday. But, you know, the Bears haven't played anyone who can run the football like this yet. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Bears can knock the Vikings off of their game plan, which would be to come in, run the football down our throats, wear down this defense so maybe in the fourth quarter they get that play-action game going and start torching our defense when we're so worried about trying to stop uh, Dalvin Cook that, oh, we forgot about the fact that they have two awesome receivers in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, you know, and not to mention Kyle Rudolph is a pretty great tight end uh, as well. So these guys have weapons that they can hurt us with. And right now the one that we have to be most worried about is Dalvin Cook. He's the key to the game. Stopping him... I think opens the floodgates. It like you know, you heard me mention it uh, with Chris. I think maybe I even brought it up during the review episode the other day. This is kind of like uh, you know, the Vikings are the Rams, and Dalvin Cook is Todd Gurley. And if we can shut Todd Gurley down, we put the ball in in Jared Goff's hands. In this case, we'd be Kirk Cousins, and maybe we if we put the game on him, put the ball in his hands, we can force him into a, a throw he doesn't want to make or force him into a mistake and you know have things go our way now we have the like you know that was a big part of the conversation we have history on our side the whole the bears are 15 and 3 in this millennium against the the vikings that's an outstanding home record you heard me bring up that odd stat about how the bears are undefeated 5 and 0 or the vikings are 0 and 5 when the bears wear throwback uniforms or alternate uniforms so even in those stupid orange jerseys we're undefeated against the vikings like we were last year on sunday night football we've worn the 1940s throwbacks a couple of times against the vikings i believe so and we're wearing those uh those throwback unis on on sunday with the stripes and and everything like that so that's going for us and there's the whole kirk cousins can't beat a good football team thing you know, you, you heard us talking about the Brett Coleman video about how, you know, Kirk Cousins, the, the Vikings were one in six against uh, winning teams uh, last year. And all but one of those victories you could blame on somebody else or blame on the team as a whole. Really, it wasn't until week 17 that you could really hang a big loss on Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins alone. But this is a reputation that will follow him every, everywhere. And that's why this game is so important. It would help, you know, put a dent in the narrative that is Kirk Cousins can't beat a good football team. It would put a dent in the narrative of the, you know, the tradition, the curse, whatever, of the Vikings not being able to win in Soldier Field. And it puts the Bears behind the eight ball in an 0-2 hole in the division, an 0-2 record at home to start off the year when we lost one game at home all of last season. And, uh, you know, we'd, be in, we'd start the year 0-2 uh, at home, which is not a good deal and send us off to the UK with a bad taste in our mouths before the bye week. So it's a, it's a big football game, you know, NFC North, the division rivalry. It's uh, it's going to be a good, a good football game. Really, really looking forward to it. And really one of the first times I wasn't overly confident going into a Vikings game because of our, uh, you know, the, the injuries that we have on the team right now, will these guys be a hundred percent and, you know, 
kind of uh, low-key worried about Eddie Pinero and, and how healthy he'll be on Sunday because you heard Chris and I talk about how you know points, I, I imagine, are going to be at a premium. We talked about the over-under for this game being at about 38, 38 and a half uh, right now, how that's most likely an, an overly generous over-under uh, for this game. I don't see these two teams combining for more than 40 points or – uh, or, or anything i i envision like a like a 16 to 9 uh you know 14 to 10 something in that area but but in actually more in the vein of a 16 to 9 where it's a lot more field goals than actual touchdowns and i think this is also going to be another one of those games where i subscribe to the theory that whichever team makes the fewest mistakes is going to be the one that wins so if the bears can conjure up a, a interception uh, from Kirk Cousins, or God forbid, they get ball hungry and go after the football with with Dalvin Cook, and you know because we forced a fumble out of him last year, it really took a lot of steam out of their engine uh, as well. If you guys remember the Sunday night game last year, the Vikings were were putting on a very good looking drive, and then all of a sudden Dalvin Cook runs into Khalil Mack, you know Khalil strips the football, sends the football going back the other way. But, it, you know, it's like the Vikings never really recovered, you know, from that mistake. The killing such a promising drive, uh, they never really recovered uh, for, from that. And the Bears kind of took control of the football game from there after they stole the momentum uh, from the Vikings. So that will be very important uh, on Sunday. On the offensive side, this is definitely one of those occasions where um, establishing a rhythm is paramount. You know, getting a rhythm offensively, you know, because with the Vikings running the ball, that means longer drives for them, which means their defense is on the field longer, which means they're possibly getting worn down, etc. We don't want that. We want to flip that on the Vikings. We want to be the ones moving the chains, hanging on to the football, and getting something going, you know, getting, you know. And it doesn't always mean that we have to put up 50 points or score on every drive or anything to establish a rhythm offensively like maybe you have kind of just think about last year we weren't always racking up the points but we did a great job of keeping our defense off of the field we're able to get at least you know two first downs maybe a third if the drive stalled out and we had to go for a field goal or or end up punting the football away but you gave the defense that breather you gave them three four minutes of, of clock of of game time uh to rest and and get ready to go back out there again as opposed to throwing two crappy passes and running it once into the dirt and kicking the ball off, the defense hasn't even been off the field for 90 seconds and they're back out there again. We don't want that to happen uh, on Sunday. So we want to get that, get that going offensively, if for no other reason than to keep Dalvin Cook off of the field. Uh, we want to be mistake-free on offense, so no silly throws from Mitch. Uh, you know, he needs to be better with that. You know, he... he he, he thought that uh, he made a, it was a miscommunication or a miscalculation, I think is more accurate, the term uh, from Mitch, where he threw it short to the front end of the end zone. And when Allenson, when Allen Robinson had beaten, beaten uh, Josh Norman up top, if he throws it to the back corner of the end zone, that's as easy a touchdown throw as Mitch is ever going to make. Instead, he made the wrong decision and Norman was able to step in front of it and make an interception. That can't happen this week. The Vikings are very good on defense. You heard me mention to Chris that they're a step behind us in in basically the major categories. The Bears have 
uh, 11 sacks, the Vikings have 10. We have seven, we have, you know, four interceptions, the Vikings have three. We're the th- number three defense in the number three scoring defense. They're number five or something like that. They're as good statistically as we are uh, on defense right now. So, like I said, points will be at a premium. So, moving the chains, getting a rhythm going, even if we're not coming away with points, is very, very important. Being mistake free because these are both opportunistic defenses and cutting back on penalties on defense as well. So Prince of Mukamura, let's cut it out with the illegal face mask or the illegal hands to the face or the holding or, or, or whatever. We can't have that this week. We can't give the Vikings. We can't keep extending drives for the Vikings. We can't give them that five five yard penalty, but automatic first down when we just shut them down on third and four or something like that. We have to avoid that at all costs. And then the simplest part I've already made, we got to stop the run and put the game on Kirk Cousins. So because history and everything else says if we do that, we'll be victorious. And we already saw it happen once in Minnesota. The, the Packers were able to jump out to an early lead and the Vikings didn't abandon the run, but it couldn't be their primary focus because they were in a three touchdown hole very early uh, in that football game. So it was a, it was much more of a balance, much more of a mix offensively with, with Cousins having to throw the football. And he served him up to the, uh, to the Packers a couple of times. He, he made some bad throws, especially that interception at the end uh, of the football game. The bad throw we talked about, the, you know, the, the situation itself warranted that he do something else, and he made the absolute wrong decision. So that's the kind of thing that we want to set up for Kirk Cousins to be able to do that for us uh, on Sunday. So those would be the keys to the Bears being victorious uh, on Sunday. We want to cut down on the mistakes on offense, cut back on the penalties on defense, therefore giving the Vikings more opportunities that they didn't necessarily earn, and then getting the getting the offense, uh, getting the rhythm established on offense. Like I said, even if we're not coming away with points, we've been out on the field, We've taken three, four minutes off the clock. We've gotten a couple of first downs. We're keeping our defense fresh. I mean, that I think it will be paramount uh, to, to the Bears being successful and to the Bears being able to plow through in the fourth quarter and walk away with this thing. So anyway, guys, I think that will do it uh, for the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Quick note, um, I realized that I made a mistake with my edit uh, this week. Uh, the uh, the I, I played the fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction twice. I don't know if I played it in place of the third quarter knee-jerk reaction or, or however that happened, but just a quick uh, insight into what's going on there. The audio program that I have used literally for years, this, this old program, um, it's been glitching on me lately. I need to get a new audio program program basically and um what happens is while i'm recording it will choke up a little bit it will you know like say like i'm talking right now and and i'll look at my screen as the you know the little wave file kind of forms in front of me but you'll see nothing happen for a few seconds and then all of a sudden you'll see it jump ahead and it'll look like it recorded everything that i said but if you go back and listen to it it sounds like there's a jump cut in there because it just like it wasn't recording while it was buffering and then it started recording when it was done so what i've started to do was actually i use a different program to record my audio now 
but I'm using the old program to edit it. So I'm basically putting, you know, making all the puzzle pieces in one program and then putting them together in the old one. And I screwed up on Monday or Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah. So anyway, that's how that happened. And uh, I'm going to do a better job of, of keeping an eye on that for you guys. So um, anyway, I don't know why I felt the need to tell you that, guys. I just I don't know. I just wanted to. Uh, quite a few of you reached out to me about that mistake. Even my dad called me up and be like, what's the deal with the fourth quarter knee jerk reaction being in there twice? I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> so that's what happened. I didn't do it on purpose, obviously. But uh, yeah, so I'm working on that. And uh, I think once I learn how to edit in the new program, maybe I'll just use that one uh, exclusively. But until I do, um, I'll, I'll be doing it this way. So I'll just have to do a better job of keeping my eye on on what pieces I'm putting together or maybe labeling them a bit better so that I don't make the same mistake again. So anyway, that's going to do it for the week four review episode or preview. Excuse me. Preview episode of the bear stock underground i will be back on tuesday so recording on monday night for the show to drop on tuesday morning first thing and uh talking about this hopefully it's another victory monday for us as we head into uh the big week in the uk a lot of my uh, uk listeners very excited about the bears making the trip across the pond coming to them uh, a lot of them posting that you know them receiving their tickets posting those pictures on facebook and and things like that um hopefully you guys have a great time and our beloved can give you a victory so we'll have your boy q from locked on raiders on next week to preview that so that should be fun uh as well so anyway like i said come back tuesday morning that's when the show is going to drop for the week four review how did this game between the bears and the vikings turn out do we have a piece of first place or are we still at the bottom looking up at everyone else so come back on tuesday and find out and until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.